it borders on worship. You know, yeah. <laughs> idols of the heart. You know. Well, it's nice you can enjoy. It. All right, so uh, John eight. Let's finish this up. I think everybody has their notes, right? Unless you believe that I am. Okay. Um, Jesus is uh, turning the light on here, right? Um, I am the light of the world. Uh, kicks off uh, chapter eight, basically. You know, just sort of ignoring, uh, not to, to belittle it too much, because it is there. I think by the by the superintending work of the Holy Spirit, the, the story of the, the woman caught in adultery. But really, chapter 8 you know, starts this whole section that, that goes from chapter 8 uh, really through the end of chapter 10. Okay, And Jesus is giving us a statement there, I am the light of the world. He says it again at the beginning of chapter 9, and they're like bookends. And in the middle... Uh, if you will, the row of books between the bookends is this is a series of, of, of uh, statements that he has in a dialogue form with the Jews, with being the Jewish leaders, right? Okay. And what and what he's doing with them, it's very interesting. I've gone back and there's so much here, it's so kind of hard, almost hard to wrap your head around it. But as I'm going over and over again. Um, what I'm realizing is that he is effectively telling them as he's turning the line on, he doesn't like, you know, blast them right away. The light comes on and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger and more and more intense. As you've seen, as you've read this chapter, he gets very, very pointed with them, very pointed with them to the point where he says, no, you're not children of Abraham. You're not children of God. You are children of your father, the devil. <laughs> Very, very pointed with them, okay? And and, <clears throat> and and just flat out tells them in no uncertain terms that he is that covenant God that made made a, a covenant with and met with Abraham, right? And, and interacted with him. Abraham saw my day and was glad. Before Abraham was, I am. They pick up stones to stone him. Why? Because they got the message. They knew exactly what he meant. Okay? Um, but as he's turning the light up here, it's easy to miss how similar this is, even though, I mean, because of all of the emotion that you feel. I mean, we even feel it. You know, we, we still feel the heat <laughs> coming through the page, right? But it's, for all of that, it's easy to miss how similar of a, of a message this is to what Jesus tells Nicodemus in chapter 3, Okay. So I just mentioned that in passing. I just want to, I want to, that's, a, that's the overarching, and we'll talk more about that as we get further into the chapter. But the basic message, listen, the basic message is this. Your lineage as a Jew is not enough. Okay? They trust just like your dad for a while was trusting in the Catholic system, right? They were trusting in this Judaistic system, which had no salvation in it. Jesus doesn't hate these people. He doesn't say these things that are so... Pointed and, and and even to our ears, you were like, whoa, you know, um, he doesn't say that because he's happy to slap them down. He says it through from a heart of genuine love and concern for them, that's unmitigated by any kind of hurt pride on his part. Well, you hurt my plan, I'm gonna hurt you. Nothing, none of that, right? Um, he's he's just as interested in their salvation as he was in, with Nicodemus many years earlier in that conversation that he had at the very beginning. Of his ministry just after he cleansed the temple and that night he met with Nicodemus and told him effectively the same thing. 
It's not enough for you to be born a Jew. You must be what? Born again. So you have to have a new lineage. It's not enough that Abraham is your father. You even claim God is your father. You're missing it. No, no, no. <laughs> the truth is, the one behind your system, the one who you're putting your faith in, is the devil. And how do I know that? Because you act just like your father. You want to murder me. You want to kill me. And you lie. He's a murderer and a liar from the beginning. So that's, that is going to take us all the way to chapter 10, effectively. But we're going to see that even again in chapter 10, where I'm the good shepherd. But now that the, the metaphor's turned a little bit, okay? I'm the door and I'm the good shepherd. Two more of those statements. And, 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 and in that case, it's the, it's the, uh, the deceiver or the one. Um, there's actually two words in there. I won't get involved in that. But basically, the destroyer, the person who comes to kill and destroy, right? To, to destroy. All of those are really illustrations of them and of their need to, to repent and to live up to their responsibility to be the hired hands that God put them in charge of doing. All right. All right. So anyway, um, we need to get into this, don't we? Okay. Uh, let's let's start um, point one on the outline. Jesus turns the light on, number one, to remind the Jews that he is leaving soon and warn them of their need to believe to avoid condemnation. And we've looked at that, right? Um, and then in verse, don't miss, especially verse 24 there, because there's grace in verse 24, right? I'm telling just like I told you guys, I've told you guys before, and he's telling them again, right? For emphasis, get the point. Guys, listen to me. I'm telling you the truth. You know, I'm going away. In other words, I'm going back to where I came from, to my Father in heaven, and you're not coming. Unless you believe that I am he, right? Unless you believe that I am he. <clears throat> That's the essence of the gospel. The essence of the gospel isn't even the facts about Jesus. It's not enough to believe that he died on the cross for your sins. You must come to him and believe that he is the complete solution. Not just for your sin, but for your righteousness and also for your intercession and for your whole life, right? As a Christian, in this, in this, he is he's everything. He's, he is uh, your resurrection at, at one point, you know, at some point. All right, so that's point one. Point two, Jesus turned the light on to remind the Jews of who he is, where he is from, and what purpose the Father has for his first coming of the Messiah, okay? And that's where we are. We've looked at who he is, okay? Uh, and, and basically where he's from here. But let's read these verses again, verses 25 through 30, John 8, 25 through 30. So they said to him, who are you? Right? Who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I've been telling you guys all along. And he wasn't just telling them verbally. Listen, the signs that he was giving them also told them, right? And remember, back in chapter 3, again, Nicodemus admitted that. He said, we know, we, not I, we. He was a spokesman for these guys. He was representing them. We know you're from God. Because no one could do these miracles unless he be from God, right? We know who you are. <clears throat> the reason they keep asking this question, and this is the problem with unbelief, Unbelief is never satisfied with the right answer. It just keeps, you, you, you know, notice that? It's like, 
Why do we keep coming back to the same issue, whatever the issue is, right? Why do we keep coming back to the same issue and we never seem to resolve this? You know, you know what I'm talking about? And you get this, you gotta get in this loop with somebody. And it's always the same problem, the same thing. Again, you know, I've got you. You ever get tired of that? You know, you like you give them counsel and it's like, and they're they're they're, they're I'll give you some more examples. Uh, but they're but they're crying again, they're weeping, they're like so depressed. I tell you, you know, God's word, you know, spend time, prayer, whatever. I'm back again a month later, same thing again, right? That's unbelief. That's a mark of unbelief. Just simply won't do it. Just won't do it. Why are they asking him again? Because yeah, they don't believe. Verse 26, I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I heard from him. Okay. Um, this is already starting to snowball effect into the next section. See? That's right. That's right. That's right. Now he has to be very, very careful here. Because, and that, that's what he's saying here. You see, he, you got to understand. And we'll, we'll read chapter 5, this, this part of chapter 5 that's on your notes here just as we finish up, okay? This morning. Uh, so that you really get, because you know it's not just me talking. You hear it right straight from Jesus, okay? But what he has already said, again, chapter 3 and chapter 5, what he's already said, what he's made clear is, John 3, 17, for God sent his <clears throat> son into the world not to condemn the world, right? right? But the world through him might be saved. They were looking for the Messiah to come and condemn the Romans. That's exactly what John was talking about, right, at the men's retreat. Isaiah 53, they were looking for this Messiah to come and praise Israel for their faithfulness and kick the Romans to the curb and bring all those Gentile nations with an iron rod under the feet of, of Israel as they follow the greater son of David. That's what they were looking for. What Jesus actually came to do, and what he tells them is, that's still future. There's coming a time when I will be the judge. Chapter 5, the Father has committed all judgment to the Son. But that's later. Right now, he's coming as the heavenly witness and the Lamb of God. He's telling them what the Father is doing. Father has commissioned this, has sent his son into the world to do this work and to give them this message. And then he will go to the cross, not to judge the Romans, but to but that God may judge their sin and our sin and Rome's sin and the sin of all who believe on Jesus. That's what that's the judgment that's going to happen, right? And so he doesn't come as the judge the first time, he's coming as the witness. You see what I'm saying? It's a, it's a courtroom scene. But that's why he says here, you can almost taste the blood, right? As he bites his tongue. I have so much I want to say, but it's not the time. It's not the time. You see that? Okay, that's verse 26. Y'all with me? Everybody with me. Okay. We're going to get through this passage together. We've got to stay together. <laughs> okay? But he who came, he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I heard from him, right? You don't like the message, don't crucify the messenger. <laughs> this isn't my message. I mean, it's not to say that Jesus was like, really, you want to, okay. No, no, he was in full cooperation. Scripture does say 
I asked this question one time to myself and posed it to the, to the girls, and we found passages. Well, the Bible says that God loves the world. It doesn't say anywhere Jesus loved the world. Yeah, Paul says that he loved us and gave his life for us. Okay, So Jesus does love us, and, and the Father and the Son are not in disagreement on this plan. But what he's simply saying is, look, in my role right now as the Son of Man, okay, in that role, I am here not to do my thing. I am simply the agent of God the Father speaking to you the words that he has given me to speak and fulfilling the works that he's given me to do. Okay, that's very important. Because it's an authority thing. Jesus is he's not blaming the Father. What he's simply saying is, Father has delegated this role to me, and I'm fulfilling it. And thank God he did so Amen. perfectly. Didn't, didn't skip a beat. There's no... There's no fine print anywhere in God's law that Satan can point to and say, Jesus didn't cover you in this area, right? You come to him, you believe that he is, you put your full faith and confidence in his completed work on your behalf. And that message that he says from the Father about who he is and what will happen one day is he's exalted as the Lord of all. That's the summary of, of Christianity in, in one statement. Jesus is Lord. That's Christianity. Okay? It's the first confession. It's a thing that you cannot, you cannot claim to be a Christian if you don't believe that. Amen. Okay. And there are evangelical churches who don't believe that. Get me started. Okay. I have much to say about that. Okay. Verse 27. But they did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. They had no concept of God as Father. Even though their Old Testament scriptures, uh, Isaiah 9 being one example, uh, kind of does allude to that. For the most part, they don't. They, but Jesus always referred, except for that one time, which is the last time, you know, uh, on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he always referred to, to God as his Father. Now, let's roll on. 28. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, and this is where we spent a lot of time last time, then you'll know that I am He, and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And remember, we went back last time, we looked at chapter 3, we looked at this right here, chapter 8, and again, it shows up one more time in chapter 12, okay? And what's interesting, let me see if I can remember this, it dawned on me after I said we had the class last time. The first time was the illustration, the second time is um, is the application, I think, of 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 it to him, and then um, the last time is the result. Okay, so so in chapter three is the illustration as Moses looked up the serpent in the wilderness, and the son of man was lifted up. Here is the application: when you have lifted me up, okay, you know that I am He. Okay. And then in chapter 12, if I be lifted up, I will draw, or, or when I'm lifted up, here is what we better translate it. I will draw all men to myself. That's the result. Okay. Illustration, application, and result in John 3, 8, and 12. Hmm. All right. So he said to them, when, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will know that I am He. In other words, I am the one you're asking me about, right? My identity will become 
crystal clear to you in that moment. We talked all about that, right? They were the ones who had the witness. They directly heard the witness of the guards. An angel came. That tomb was empty. There wasn't any disciples. When that angel rose, the angel didn't let Jesus out. He rolled the stone away to let the world in to see that it was already unoccupied. So it did not, um, didn't understand that he was speaking about the Father. He said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, you will know that I am he, and that I can do nothing on my own authority, right? This is an authority issue. Jesus, God the Father and the Son are, are equal. They're God. Jesus is no less God than the Father, or vice versa, or Holy Spirit. They're all, but, but this plan that they are doing requires that sort of, we call it division of labor, to sort of divide and conquer, if you will. This is your job, this is your job, and this is your job. Okay? By the way, that's a good pattern for us. We're our leadership meeting today, and, and you're right. I, I, I agree that we've, we've got some discipline things we need to sharpen up on the church. Okay? And it's not a mean thing. It's not because we're just, you know, but that's how leadership works. That's how authority has to work. It doesn't work. I see that where I work. we got so many smart people that have been educated to insanity in some ways that they're just like, you know, it's like leadership by, the, you know, management by democracy is what I call it. You know, everybody's just afraid to hurt everybody else's feelings so we never make any decision. They're so risk adverse, you know, we can't, you know, afraid to get it wrong. And they're, they're thankfully, they're realizing that now and they're starting to correct their culture in Noah <clears throat> because it's gotten nowhere. I, I, I'm almost of the opinion that that bad leadership that's at least decisive is better than no leadership or leadership that, that's there in, in name only, but just, you know, touchy-feely and, and wanting to please everybody and, you know, never make a decision because you can't. That's what's not called pleasing. leadership. Leadership, right. Anyway, so the Father and the Son and have this, have this relationship of authority. The Father is first. He's primary, and the Son is always directing to him. You see that in that verse? The verse is right there. These are my words. I'm not here to do my thing. This is all his. This is his. I'm here to obey him. Uh, I have so much I want to say about him. I'm waiting. He'll, he'll, he'll give me time. But right now, I'm here on his mission to save the world, right? For God so loved the world. God the Father loved the world that he gave what? His son. See that? That's authority. That's authority happening. That's that's an active work of God the Father and God the Son working in, co in cooperation, but the Son submitting to the Father, right? Not because one is more superior than another. It's just that, that that's the way that the order works. It's like a man and a woman, right? Uh, same idea in the home, in marriage. The husband is a role. The wife is a role. They're submitting and working to one with one another in love, but there is a there is a hierarchy. There of authority. Same idea. So Jesus said to them, When you lift up Son of Man, you know that I am He, then I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Verse 29, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Wow. Can you say that about yourself? No, we can't. <laughs> How many of you can say that I always do the things that God that pleases God? Almost reverse, almost do the things that please yourself. 
you know what? Right there is, I love this because one of the things that's dawning on me more and more stronger as I, as I, as I get to know the scriptures, get to know the Lord, is, is that he never, he never preaches at us from a place of hypocrisy. Everything, everything that he commands us to do, he leads by example. He shows us how to do it, and he does it perfectly himself. Let me give you several examples. First one we just talked about is submission. Okay? Wives, submit to your husbands. Really hard for uh, talking to my daughters about that. But, 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 but. You know, scripture says without any fear. Okay? It also says, as what? Unto the Lord. Okay? He didn't just stand back and say, well, you got to do this thing and, and, you know, too bad for you. I don't care what you do. No. He models it by showing us how submission right here in this passage works. The son is no less God than the father. But Paul says in, in, in Philippians 2 that he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself, right? And Paul holds that up as an example the verses right before that, he says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Consider others better than yourself. Oh, let me tell you what, I have been struggling with that because I don't do that. And the Lord's convicted me about learning to serve up to people rather than serve down to them. Think about that. That's a tough one. Okay. When you serve somebody, what's your perspective? But Jesus here is perfectly. Another illustration that I think is really good of, of how he leads by example is in whom to fear. Remember, Jesus said, not in John, but in the other Gospels, he said, Don't fear man, whom after he's killed the body, there's nothing more he can do, right? Don't, don't fear people. They may call you names, they may ruin your reputation, you may lose your job, you may lose your friends at, at a church, the Catholic church, or something, right? He says, don't fear that. I'll show you whom to fear. Fear him whom after he's destroyed the body can then resurrect your body. I'm adding a little bit, but this is the truth of it. Resurrect your body later and send you to hell to destroy both body and soul. God can, God can get you inside where nobody else can get. And Jesus models this for us by showing deep fear in the garden. The only time in his, in all the Gospels, every, every other time the storm is going crazy, right? And the, and, the, and the disciples, many of them who were fishermen, grew up on that lake and they knew, their, they knew water like they knew water, right? You know, but they're deathly afraid. Lord, do you not care that we perish, right? Jesus is what? He's asleep. What? Do you not care that we perish? He's just totally chill. He's so chill, except for one time when he's facing the wrath of God. And he models for us what it means to really fear him who can destroy the body and soul. So here he is. I love this. Verse 29. He who sent me is with me. What is that? Has not left me alone. In other words, they were accusing him earlier of effectively, who are you and why should we believe you, right? I mean, he's already established this idea of 
it feeds the heavenly witness, and they're right in a sense in which they, they love to, and they remember chapter 7, ha ha, you can't, you can't testify about yourself because your testimony is not true, right? And what he's saying here is, it's not just me, right? You're, you're correct, Pharisees, in saying that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every fact be established, okay? The Father and the Son agree on this. And actually, in chapter 3, he says, actually in 1 John also kind of says this, these three agree, right? The Father, the Son, and the Spirit all agree. And they had they had many more witnesses too. They had the works. They had Moses. He's going to bring up Abraham here. Abraham saw my day was glad. Abraham's a witness. Isaiah's a witness. John the Baptist. They have many many witnesses. But here the Father has not left me alone. I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. The Father spoke three times, audibly, in Jesus' ministry that we know about. Can you name them? Was the baptism? Transfiguration. Baptism? Transfiguration. Oh. No. Interestingly, you would think that maybe, but, but it's not recorded anywhere that the Father answered the Son on the cross. We're going to read it in chapter 12. John is the only one who mentions oh, yeah. this occasion, okay, where he is, he is uh, evidently there in Jerusalem. And, and he's, he's saying, Father... Um, well, we'll, get, we'll we'll study it when we get there. But a voice answers from heaven and says, "I will, I will both. I have glorified it, and I and I will glorify it. I glorify your name. What shall I say? Um, Father, deliver me from this hour. But to this hour I came. Right? Father, glorify your name. And then a voice comes from heaven and says that I have I have glorified it. And will glorify it again. Then uh, gives the crowd's reaction. Father spoke audibly three times. That's the only time of the two, okay, where he didn't say, this is my son, listen to him. I'm well pleased with him, okay? God the Father puts his own audible stamp of approval on Jesus twice and says, this is my son, I am pleased with him. So again, it's not just Jesus patting himself on the back. I do everything Father wants me to do. The Father has said that. The Father himself has already said that. Listen to him. I'm pleased with him. And by the way, the good news for us is that pleasing of the Father, that perfect, notice what he says here. I always do the things that are pleasing to him. That perfect pleasing of God the Father is also available for all those who are in Christ. That's why we say that it's not just that Jesus took away your sin. That's only half the message. The other half of the message is you get his righteousness, too. You get the perfect, you, you, in other words, instead of, instead of just paying up the negative account, you know, you, you owe God negative a trillion dollars, right? <laughs> and he, it's not that Jesus took it to zero. He put like plus trillions in your account. Does that make sense? He doesn't, he doesn't take you to zero. He takes you into way, way into positive blessing territory with God the Father because you please the Father the same way the Son does when you're in Jesus. Think about that. That That is, no wonder we call it good news. Okay? Read uh, in Philippians 2, 9, uh, Philippians 2, 9 through 11 where it says, 
Therefore God exalted him to be in the highest place and gave him the name above all other names. In that name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth, under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So what really sticks out to me in those three verses is God the Father exalted him. He gave him a purpose. He gave him a reason for coming. So when I read that, and there was a footnote in that um, book, uh, Perfect Life, and I read that, coincide that, it kind of gets you in the right perspective where it did me because these people are going, who are you? What are you? What are you? And especially in the next, I'm trying to go front, next, especially in the next chapter, on the next section, when they're, Abraham, Father Abraham comes in, you know, they're talking about all that. But see, they don't understand that Jesus was God is God. They just can't get it yet. But what I'm saying is, in that verse, God the Father, who they, they know they accept, and they, they exalted the Son to do His work only through the God, only through the Father's will. Only through the Father's will. And it just, it just kind of, to me, that, that verse, when I read it, it just went, mm. so, when He, when God the Father did, and I'm not, you get your head beat around things. They're they're equal. They're one, but they're three separate entities. Mm -hmm. It's very hard for a common person. That's where faith comes in. But what I'm saying is, to me, it kind of was like God said, "Okay, son, this is your job. I'm giving you this job." Okay, so if if, they, if he could then give him that job, the three. That's when your three separate entities come in life. You're all one, and the only reason why. I, I get this in my mind. I may be totally wrong. The reason why they're, they're all in one is because they're the same accord. They're in the same plane. They're, they they think the same, but they are three separate entities. So he God give him a, a purpose. Same thing with, I'm reading on uh, Jason Zavadis about the, the, the Holy Spirit. God the Father give him the, the job through Jesus said, I'm going to send you a help. Mm -hmm. So now the two are working to send the one. Mm -hmm. yeah. got, got it? So I'm saying it's, it's hard to, but what I, when I read that, and I'm not trying to take away from the class, I know we're in a hurry, but when I read that, God the Father exalted, he lifted up the Son to send him down there. That's what he's trying to tell these people. That's what he's trying to tell them. Exactly. And and when I, I mean, I was reading that, I was reading that, and then when I read over in Philippians and read that, I was like, yes! <laughs> I do understand it, but now I understand it better. Lifted up. Lifted up. It's such a beautiful, beautiful way of saying it, isn't it? If I be lifted up. Love it. Love it. Love that song that we sang. I and lifted up, you know. Um, and it's it's I mean he was literally physically lifted up. I mean lifted up from the earth on a cross. Right? Yes. And 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 that's and that's a that's a symbology there. <clears throat> we'll see that it's really, really beautiful. Read a, read ahead of chapter twelve. Just read the whole section because I don't want to skip. <laughs> Man, there's so much going on there. It's we'll amazing. get that next year. Basically, what he's saying is <laughs> yeah. the enemy of this world is this world is being judged. The enemy of this world is being condemned. In other words, he's being cast out. It's the idea of an army that's held territory that's now been conquered by a superior army that now occupies that. And as the enemy is cast down, I am lifted up. That's what he says in chapter 12. I'm bringing all of that to a conclusion of exactly what you're saying. 
And I, I know my And it's the father's plan to lift yeah. him up and yes. exalt him, right? Yes. And 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 when you dishonor the son, who do you dishonor? The father. The father. That's right. <clears throat> yeah. Right. You're right. That's you got right. plenty to munch on right here. Don't yeah, you? boy. Time's coming. He'll, believe me, these guys will hear those words. I have much to say about you. They're going to hear it at the right time. They will. Don't be in a hurry. <laughs> don't jump the gun. Right. If the father's in the father's plan, it will happen. You really don't want to be in a hurry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You really don't want to have yeah. Right. Let's roll on. 29. He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that believe in him. As he was saying these things, what? What happened? Many believed believe in him. Many believed. Wow, that's awesome. But you see that Maybe. quite often. I mean, not quite often. You do Maybe. see that. Yes. <laughs> you do see that. Again, like I said in Mark, when I just got through doing with Mark with the, the, the paraplegic man. As he left, Many believed. Okay, could have been three. Three could have been many. Five could have been many. But the thing is, he's getting the point across. And, that, and, that, and you see this. Uh, that, that stuck out to me too. That sometimes you'll see that and many believe, or some believe, or some walk away in faith. And so, but you know what? They're, they're all going to know one day. Eric and I was talking about it yesterday. Yeah, yesterday Saturday morning. Is our morning if we have a quiet time? She has her and I have mine. We always get into conversation. And we're into this fact talking about, you know, the tribulation and then the, the hundred year reign, our thousand year reign. But, you know, people will, as soon as the church is raptured out of here, people have different concepts of when it's going to happen. We won't be in that. That's why I'm trying to think of it. Anyway, people are going to go, oh. Yeah. And then still people will come to know him. I still feel like it, during a thousand year reign, people will come to know him. But then, because their eyes will be open. Now, they won't be, I mean, yes, they'll be saved, but it'll be a, But anyway, it's it's like this right here. People just don't want to open their eyes. Mm. They don't want to open their eyes. Is this belief, do you believe, uh, in verse 30, is this uh, bold? Is this actually part of change? No, uh, yeah, that's that's why I say it, it sounds like a good thing, but is it? Um, there's a quick statement. Let me just take you real quick uh, along to answer that question, Dave, because I had a similar question, and I think I think again we see this idea of, of the concept of him being lifted up. Okay, it shows up for the last time in chapter 12. Okay, and in chapter 12, um, this is not my usual Bible, so it may take me a second to find it. Um, uh, verse 20, 27 is where it talks about the father, the third and final time the father speaks audibly. Um, is the start of that, verse 27. Um, verse 28 is where it actually happens. The voice came from heaven and I glorified it and I'll glorify it again. Um, and then skip down. Skip down to um, uh, verse uh, 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Throw the stone with okay? Um, in English, uh, translating prepositions like that can be a little tricky. I prefer to translate it cast down, down and out. You could literally say down and out. The way That's it's right. That, that the ruler of this world will be cast down and out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Wow. 
That's a powerful, powerful, powerful statement. Those three, boom, boom, boom. Okay. Now he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die, the most crucifixion. Um, and then um, John asked this question, skip over just a little bit. He asked this question, verse 37, though he'd done so many signs before, not really a crazy question, but it's, it's posed as a problem. Verse 37, he's done so many signs, yet they didn't believe. How can you do this? How can he do all this? And then actually he quotes from Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 6. Okay, so he brings Isaiah out of the witness. And then notice this. This is where I'm trying to get to here and answer your question. Verse 41 and 42, Isaiah spoke the same saw his glory. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him. But in fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than right. the glory that comes from God. You got to tap that out. Regardless of the cost, right? So, Dave, so is it a sincere? I think I think in some cases it was. Nicodemus is seems to be held out by John in his gospel as the primary example of this, but he was not alone. That's what John is telling us, is that there were other, even of these Jews, these ruling elite class of the nation that believed in him. Joseph of Arimathea is another one. Okay? Right. It took, when, when we get to chapter 12, we'll talk about, about that. Um, John MacArthur gave some really interesting background, extra biblical background about Nicodemus. Let me put it this way, just simply. It cost the man everything he had, eventually. And he became a steadfast, outspoken, unashamed believer in Jesus, but it took a long time to get there. But, so back to our chapter, chapter 8, verse 30. Do you think believed he, in him? Many believed in him? I think it, it, it runs the gamut. Of, this is like in chapter 2. Remember right at the end of chapter 2, he cleansed the temple, He's doing signs and healing and all this kind of thing. And it says, many believed in him, but he didn't commit himself to them because he knew the hearts of all men, right? And so there were there were a lot of people that were starting to be favorable, you might say swinging in his direction, you know, but he's not like really, really committing to them either, um, and, you know, right then and there. Thank God that it's not an all one size fits all in terms of, of how people end up in the kingdom, right? The first time you heard the gospel, you probably didn't believe it, right? If you didn't, maybe you did, but you didn't really respond. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You didn't really. Um, but God knows that, and, and the Holy Spirit working in our hearts eventually, eventually, you know, we all, in, in a unique way that that's known only to God, we're led through circumstances, both inner and ex, ex, exterior, uh, uh, to, to finally see and have your eyes open and to make that commitment. Okay, I, I absolutely, I'm totally committed. I don't care what the cost is, right? Uh, and, and sometimes even then, you know, so, I don't know. I can only tell you what it says here. Let's, as we finish, let's, um, you see there on your notes, I referenced you back to chapter five, all right? So let's finish with that, please, if we can. <clears throat> And then we'll be done. And when I come back in two weeks, I'll have the next set of notes for us, okay?
we'll be ready to move on. All right. Uh, so just look back to chapter, chapter five again is so is so pivotal in understanding the rest of the Gospel of John. Unfortunately, it's probably the least known chapter in John. Most people sort of just read it and they go on and tell the things and we have big statements and you know, other chapters, but this one is so important. Okay, so let's just let me just read it and you'll see you'll get the sense. Um, we start in verse 18. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal. So Jesus said to them, this is verse 19, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these he will show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the, the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. That all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Okay. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. That's what that phrase, I can't resist the comment here. That, that phrase, eternal life, is so important in the Gospel of John, right? Eternal life, eternal life. And I used to puzzle for many, many years, many decades over that. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, because technically, <clears throat> the way we look at it, people in hell have eternal life, right? Yeah. You're going to live forever, yeah. one place or the other. This verse right here is a good verse that proves that it means doesn't mean what you think it means. It doesn't mean life that lasts forever. What it means is that you have passed from a state of death and judgment permanently, eternally, into a state of life where there is no chance of reverting back to that former state of being in death and judgment. That's what eternal life means. Get your head around that. That's so important. Okay? Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. That's the first resurrection. It's the resurrection of the heart. It's regeneration. Whereas the Father has life in himself, so he's granted the Son to have life in himself. And he, that is the Father, has given him authority. There's authority again, right? Here's this authority chain going on. The authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Okay? The Son of Man there refers to, to Daniel's vision, where he sees the Son of Man come and prepare to, to execute judgment as the lead judge on behalf of God. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. For I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And then he gets into talking about all the witnesses. He presents four other witnesses. <clears throat> Two of them. Okay? 
I'm telling you, chapter five is so so important. I just I just read that in closing. I'm gonna let you, let you and the Holy Spirit work that out. Okay. We're done. Heavenly Father, man, there's so much here. There's so much here. We could we could easily spend another hour and 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 not even you know scratch the surface on it. But we do thank you for what we do have, mm-hmm. what we do know, and that, and that you don't, you don't. Uh, <laughs> we talk about the drink from the fire hose. There's a sense in which that's true, but there's also a sense in which you very graciously, just like a, a loving parent, small spoonful by spoonful, feed the little child one bite at a time. And we thank you for that. And as we grow and we and mature. As, as, as your children, um, I pray that we would never lose sight of, of this grand plan. And, and what Rick was saying earlier is, is so good because it's, it reminds us that this plan really is not about us. We really have a, a selfish um, view of the gospel many times. And, and while, it's, while we, are, we stand to benefit in a huge way, Really, this is all about the love the Father has for the Son and the Son for the Father and the Spirit and the love that you have. Uh, and we're, and we're, we are very much like children who are born into a family and get, and, and as the love circle just grows and extends out to them, and they benefit from this love relationship that the man and, the, and, and his wife, the husband and wife have for one another, and they extend that love to their children. And they're invited into it and benefit from it. And that's exactly the way it is with us. Help us to be very careful that we love your son. Kiss the son lest he be angry. And not just him, but the father. We don't, we certainly don't want, we ask for, we repent really of the times of the past where we have been offensive to you. And even, even today. And, and we constantly have to come back to this truth of who you are, how great you are. And then, who we are in comparison and our need for the, for the Savior. We pray your blessing on, on the service this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.